Hello everyone and welcome to Primrose Light. You're here with me, Roshni, and today we're going to follow on from a conversation that we've had uh, in previous podcasts and talk about uh, food and diet and specifically a whole plant-based lifestyle. Um, so with me to discuss this topic, I'm with my friend Deepa. Now, just by way of introduction to Deepa, Deepa holds a BSc medical biochemistry degree. She then went on to complete an MSc in international management healthcare, uh, sorry, international management, and she's worked in healthcare market research for 10 years. Thereafter, she moved into the user experience research field and has been working there for the last seven years. Deepa has also trained as a yoga teacher and herself, you know, she herself practices and, and very much lives a whole plant-based lifestyle. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more as to what that means, um, the way that Deepa sort of um, includes that sort of stuff into her lifestyle and, and really how she has sort of benefited from going whole plant-based. So Deepa, thank you for coming on Primrose Light. Um, great to have you. We've obviously spoken over the years quite a bit about health and diet. Um, so it's really good to have you on today. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, your background. How did you become a yoga teacher? Uh, how did you fit that in sort of whilst you were working or, or when did that come about and really your journey to having a, a whole plant-based diet? Okay, uh, so thank you, Roshini, and first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to be talking about my experience in a whole plant-based food. So um, remind me of the question again, Roshini, because I lost track. Yeah, it was probably quite a, f a few bits to it. I mean, I guess what I was keen to do was to understand you know, how did you come into becoming a yoga teacher? How did you juggle that whilst you were working? Um, how did that journey come about? And then also this journey to having a whole plant-based diet, really, where did that all stem from? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so this is casting back maybe about 15 years. So I've always been into health as far as I can remember, into my 20s, so I've been exercising and making that part of my lifestyle from my 20s onwards the yoga journey came about because I was well I practiced Bikram yoga for maybe about two years and then um, I decided that I wanted to learn for my own practice so I didn't intend to go into a teaching course to teach but just to basically strengthen my own practice at home um, and there you were introduced to the philosophy of what is good food from an Ayurvedic perspective. Um, I've always been a vegetarian. That's the line of tradition that I actually come from. But really, I guess that's where my interest in food actually started. Um, so as I said, always been a vegetarian, born and raised as a vegetarian. Um, but I would say as a vegetarian up to sort of in my 30s, um, it wasn't a healthy vegetarian diet from based on what I know now about whole plant-based food. So lots of fried food, um, lots of crisps, lots of emotional eating, <laughs> um, not really understanding nutrition and why I should be eating certain types of food. Um, and then um, I got sort of interested in the vegan movement um, and I tried to go vegan for uh, sort of spiritual reasons. Um, so taking out dairy, cheese and milk. Um, and that all started from um, a uh, sort of group 
event, not a group event, it was an event about Ahimsa and basically making sure that our milk was not obtained by any sort of violent means. Um, and then I just sort of came across whole plant-based food and nutrition and really my journey started off from there. Wow, no, thank you. So there's a lot there that we're going to unpack and dissect. Um, so you said you started off doing Bikram yoga, which is interesting. And, and um, actually, it was interesting. There was a, a pod, uh, not a podcast, sorry. It was a, there was a, a Netflix documentary on Bikram. I don't know if you've seen it. I watched it a couple of months ago and was horrified, essentially, uh, as to what had happened. But obviously, uh, traditionally, the, you know, it had developed and had become very popular and, and arguably quite mainstream why did you choose Bikram yoga I'm curious to know and why did you leave oh, so that was interesting I think I went with my cousin actually um just to sort of try it out um and I really enjoyed it mm. and I really enjoyed how I felt after it it just felt like you just felt quite relaxed mm. um it's strange that it was done in a very hot room I think it's about um almost 30 40 degrees yeah I think it's about 45 yeah 40 45 degrees yeah Um, and I just got really into it and I continued the practice for about three three years Um, and then it just got quite difficult to sustain to go to studio every day to practice it in a hot room oh wow you go Um, daily wow so um and then I decided to sort of learn about it not just Bikram yoga but just sort of learn about yoga uh, to maybe practice at home and then um, essentially that's how I sort of got on to the teaching course. Mm. And so in yoga how does it work because obviously there's so many different kinds of yoga you've got hatha yoga, vinyasa, flow, you've got you know so many different um, types of yoga is there how does it work when you do yoga teacher training or do you almost follow like a particular path or do you cover all of it is it just extra additional yeah. confusion for us people that maybe yeah. don't know enough about it yeah sorry so when I first started out I had no idea of the different types of yoga to be honest I just kind of enrolled myself into a yoga room but I saw um, a yoga school uh, that was teaching vinyasa yoga mm-hmm. um, but during sort of my yoga journey I did discover the different forms of yoga so you get ashtanga yoga which has a specific school and a specific training and it's quite dynamic and requires a lot of strength. And then you get your Hatha yoga, which basically um, you you tend to hold your postures for longer. Um, And then you have Vinyasa flow, which essentially doesn't follow a primary series like Ashtanga yoga would do, but you can actually make your own sequences using the postures, if that makes sense. Um, and so I started off with Bikram, which is what I would describe quite yang, uh, because it's 26 postures or 28 postures, if I recall correctly, yeah, can be done in an hour and a half. Yes, um, yes. Um, and then I just got to a stage in my life where Hatha yoga was more suitable. So essentially, I do my postures, but I just hold them for longer. Mm-hmm. And it's not essential that I do it as in like specific sequence, if that makes sense. Um and so I, t- I sort of take you um, make use of YouTube a lot. There are great classes on there um, to help me along. But my practice is generally done at home now. So it's a very private pa- practice rather than sort of going into the classroom. Yeah, perfect. Fine. And so maybe for those people that are listening and that are curious to know what YouTube uh, videos you use or particular people, are you able to share 
do you recall some of the names that you could please share? Yeah, so of late I've discovered, especially in lockdown, uh, Master J Yoga, um, and um, I forget the other counterpart, but I think they went to the same school. Um, oh, uh, Master J and Master Praveen Yoga. If you just Google it, you'll come up with a series of uh, videos, and I really enjoy that type of yoga. So you might want to experiment in terms of what yoga style you like. Um, and what kind of suits your personality, so to speak, but that's the type of yoga that I'm enjoying at the moment. And the postures I held for six, five or six seconds in that in that particular class, Fab. in that particular style of yoga. Fab. And what are the benefits you found <laughs> kind of doing yoga? Presumably you do this daily. Do you do it in the morning, in the evening? Is there a particular sort of better, as it were, um, time to do it um what are your could you explain for people that might be listening um who who um maybe are interested to, to explore this a bit more what would be um the best for them yeah so it's said that morning practice is good but i think any time of the day that you can fit it in um so over the years i've kind of developed my own fitness routine so yoga is not all that i do i do a lot of sort of cardio um, so I might warm up for about 10 minutes doing sun salutations, then I kind of go into a sort of dance class and then I might go for a walk or I might do some strength exercise. Um, and then I try to finish my day with about 40 minutes of yoga, which essentially, uh, just stretches me out. It relaxes me, kind of closes my working day. Um, I find that I sleep better, um, and it's quite a good stress reliever. Um, I would say all forms of exercise sort of give you those benefits but yoga just seems to kind of calm your mind because I think it involves purposeful breathing um so as you practice and develop your practice you'll be able to sort of um uh basically align your movements with your breathing pattern fine and that makes so so much sense and I think it's all in the mind uh, and it's all rather in our breath as well specifically so if our breathe if when we're stressed if we focus on our breathing it sort of calms us down and in much the same way it gets us ready for sleep as you do it so that's that's quite a nice routine and you do that daily presumably yeah um I try to get a lot of my exercise in because I think um exercising especially the current situation that we're in mm. um and body movement just helps with my state of mind sure um it helps me keeps me focused and since we're sort of in lockdown and have been since almost the beginning of the year um it's just a way for me to make sure that I'm in optimal health physically mentally and emotionally yeah and maybe even spiritually right as uh, Franklin Roosevelt <laughs> says that physical strength can never permanently withstand the impact of spiritual force um so uh it sounds like for you it's very much a holistic kind of um way of living which which is so great but I guess exercise is only maybe 20% of the story and diet is 80% and that's something that I'm really keen to unpack with you because you know as as I mentioned at the beginning you have quite an impressive um way of looking after yourself and I'm really really keen to understand how did this happen you know you said obviously in your 30s you recognized you weren't eating as consciously and even though you'd always been vegetarian much like myself um you hadn't 
really been contemplating about the quality of food so how did you what shifted what changed your perspective and and what prompted you to go down the path of a a whole plant-based diet um so just trying to think back um i think being a vegetarian and then having some contact with the ahimsa team at the buckley dance manor made me think about going vegan and I'd attempted to go vegan unsuccessfully uh, for maybe about two years. Um, so giving up cheese was really difficult. Um, I loved like the buffalo mozzarella. Mm-hmm. I loved the pizza. I loved the cheese and toast. Um, and then I'd been trying this on and off for about two years. And then I came across a concept um, called whole plant-based food diet. And what it did, um, I kind of put my head into that a little bit more than about veganism because the whole plant-based diet uh, focuses more on making sure that you're getting nutritious quality food into your diet, where from my perspective, I believe that veganism focuses more about the moral, the, the moral and ethical uh, you know, implications on how you obtain your food. Uh, so the whole plant-based diet, like veganism, Um, does not involve taking dairy or eggs. Um, It excludes meat also. Um, But more importantly, I think um, the differences between the two is that the whole plant-based diet also um, recommends not eating processed foods like oil, sugar, and focuses on taking whole intact foods. So fruit, veg that are unprocessed, um, and foods really that just haven't been through a lot of processing. Absolutely. So we're going to unpack all of that because there's quite a lot that you said. But just to explain for those people that will be listening and maybe aren't familiar with what the Ahimsa tent um, at the Bhakti Vedanta Manor is, uh, it was actually set up by Sheila Chohan. And, and for those of you that have listened to my podcasts, uh, might well recall that name. That was uh, a friend who did the climate change podcast with me. Uh, she's a, an uh, environmentalist by profession, um, but we, we sort of met at the temple. And Sheila uh, very rightly uh, created a, a Himsa tent, which essentially was to do with cruelty-free. That's what a Himsa means. Mm-hmm. And it was really casting a focus as to the uh, industry, particularly milk um, and animal produce, but, but milk in the sense of when we ask people, where does milk come from? Most people will just say Sainsbury's or Waitrose or Tesco's and they don't really look behind actually the um the process to get that milk but sadly what was happening and what is happening is that cows are essentially being um sucked dry when they're being um, milked um so much pus blood is often um going into this milk and these cows are actually giving their milk in a very distressed state and their poor calves are actually not getting that milk um but are actually being used for meat, leather, etc. So Sheila very much set this up uh, with a view to cast a mind uh, or, or, or kind of um, share her uh, the story and the realisations of, of what happens in the awful industry that is um, animal production. Um, so yeah, it, it was sort of encouraging people to at least go organic uh, or if they couldn't go organic uh, and wanted to do one step further than uh, a hints of milk was, was the very best where, you know, cows are sung to or looked after and are nurtured to give them as much milk as they want rather than having no space to sort of um, 
graze around in um so yeah that's probably a long-winded explanation it's a, it's a subject I feel very passionately about but I uh, I won't go off on a tangent with it but but so that's that prompted your mind uh or prompted in your mind rather um about reducing animal um products but why why was it that just going back why was food so important what was it that you recognized um was so pivotal to like health and wellness to make sure that if you nailed the food the wellness would come that's a really interesting question so um when i joined ahimsa um i had no idea that the lifespan of a cow is 20 years old and it's reduced down to five due to the industry that we have so once they go past their optimal milk producing years they're basically slaughtered to be sold off yeah um ethically that just didn't sit well with me uh, but most of all I was quite naive about what goes on in the food industry yes. and I think that sparked off my investigation about what else happens in the food industry um, and as I mentioned earlier um, once I had sort of been exposed to this information I'd attempted to go vegan but unsuccess- unsuccessfully um, but I realized that it was important um, because I just had the instinct that the way that you obtain your food, if it's not done in the mode of goodness, if it's not done with compassion and nonviolence and caring for others, it is illogical to think that obtaining food like that and consuming it will then bring about benefits in your body. That that just didn't marry up for me, essentially. Um, and that's what prompted me to, to go vegan. But then I discovered whole plant-based living. Um, and in that, that I discovered that the science was actually telling us that the consumption of meat and dairy has m- big impact on the lifestyle diseases that we are seeing globally today. Um, and that prompted me even more to consider going to whole plant-based living, especially because um, I come from an Asian family, come from an Indian family, where diabetes is rife. We don't have heart disease, but diabetes is definitely runs in the family. High cholesterol definitely runs in the family. And I think I just didn't want to get there in my 40s. I think my father got it in his mid, mid-40s. Um, and I just didn't want to be in a position where I was trying to manage diabetes or any health, any other health condition. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 rightly so. So they, uh, again, just to give another quote, Bethany Frankel says that your diet is a bank account. Good food choices are good investments, and I guess you very much took that ethos and, and philosophy to heart. So, you know, you've you've explained to us about why food's so important, the lifestyle diseases, and and again, that was a, a topic that I covered with um Dr. Sal uh, a couple of weeks ago on my podcast um about his food, you know, and what we eat and. And our, can our thoughts even make us sick? Um, so there's quite a lot of components to it, but food is certainly um, quite a big area that we can um, really um, drill down on and make sure that we are having a vegetarian diet. And you know, studies show time after time that vegetarian diets are really good. If you're eating the rainbow, you're eating what Mother Earth gives you, um, you're far more likely to ward off other diseases. That's not to say load up sort of the chips and the you know the fried food uh, to compensate for for meat but just to eat the rainbow uh, and keep them I guess in less of a processed way which is what you very much advocated so Deepa tell us a bit more about um 
organic, non-organic? Does it matter about that kind of thing um, when people are looking to go more plant-based? What would you recommend? Uh, so it's interesting about organic. Um, so there have been studies shown um, that high exposure of pesticides and insecticides amongst um, workers who are exposed to it um, do are, are more likely to develop things like cancer and neurological disease. Uh, so that's been shown amongst like people who live in an area with this high use of pesticides and actually insecticides and people who are actually spraying it. It's been shown that pregnant women uh, who are exposed to it on higher levels may also give birth uh, to babies with uh, neurological defects. Wow. Um, from, from that discovery, it was then the sort of scientific world and the nutrition world tried to understand what effect um, does food have because obviously we're spraying these things onto our food and what effect does it have. So there has been a study done that shows that consumption of non-organic foods does increase the level of pesticides and insecticides in your bloodstream uh, significantly more than non-organic foods. But there's no clinical studies uh, done to show that this has an effect in the likelihood of us developing disease. Um, so one, you can sort of logically conclude uh, that it's good to keep your um, sort of insecticides and pesticides levels down in your bloodstream. And therefore, if you can get a hold of organic foods, um, then you should. But the one thing that I would emphasize, it's that it's more primary that people consume fruits and vegetables, um, even if they can't get hold of organic fruits and veg, um, because getting those into our body is far more important than saying no to them just because they are not organic if that makes sense it makes complete yeah. sense and because because something i had read a few years ago and it would be good to get your thoughts and on it and if you agree what i had read was saying that even if people say can't afford to go organic totally what they can do is where there is no skin and they're essentially eating the entire thing so for example an apple grapes berries um those are really good to go organic on but say something like a banana or an orange something where you're peeling an external layer um even if you don't get organic for that that's that's okay because you're essentially removing that outer layer is that have you come across something similar is that true what what are your thoughts i actually don't know if there's any scientific evidence behind that because i think it will depend on um the absorption from the skin and if it's being absorbed via the soil one could argue that it's going into the entire sort of fruit or veg if that makes sense it's just not going to be on the outer skin unless it's sprayed on um but there's i don't have any i don't know of any sort of science backing that up but i do sort of kind of apply the same principle in the sense that anything with like a soft skin like blueberries and raspberries which have consumed quite a lot or grapes um, I tend to buy organic. Um, if it's a coconut, I'm not going to worry too hard about it. Yeah. It's got a hard shell. Um, but then I also sort of make sure that I don't get into the mindset that I'm not consuming blueberries just because I can't get my hands on organic, organic ones. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's getting um, the the 
actual nutrition from your berries rather than not consuming it at all. Yeah, so you still do get the requisite nutrition even if it's not organic it's just um I guess you from what you're saying you expose yourself to less chemicals and it's just better quality and therefore you're running a lesser risk of any um sort of onward health you know health diseases or health problems is that is that essentially what we're saying potentially it's not been so like I said it's not been proven scientifically um what has been proven is that high exposure of it does affect workers um if you eat non-organic your levels go up but does it have any correlation with the level of disease or the likelihood of developing a disease that's not being yeah and it would be i think probably quite hard to come to that conclusion given lifestyles will vary so much so no that 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 makes complete sense um I guess I sort of skirted over the issue, but it would be worth to explore it a bit more deeper. You mentioned, obviously, you grew up a vegetarian. Um, could yeah. you explain to everyone that will be listening why vegetarianism was so important to you um, and, and what benefits you found? Obviously, I appreciate you've not had me to, to necessarily have a, compar- a comparison in that sense, but what have you found being a vegetarian um, has sort of made uh, a different how has that made a difference to your energy le- levels um, you know, how have you got protein because often people sort of say oh I can't turn vegetarian I you know I need animal products to help with um, protein and, and making sure that you get the right levels so how have you how have you approached it a vegetarianism but, but b what benefits have you found of being vegetarian okay so um I was born, like you said, uh, born into a family um, uh, that's vegetarian. Um, so I've been raised as a vegetarian, uh, which means essentially no fish, no meat. Um, there was one point where I was consuming eggs. Um, but essentially, I think the point that I want to sort of make um, or sort of put across is that you can have a vegetarian diet but live quite unhealthily. So if you're having chips every day um, with a can of coke which all falls into a vegetarian diet Um, you're not getting your nutritional requirements met so um, I think like I mentioned at one point I was a very unhealthy vegetarian I was quite heavy actually um, to the point I think my family intervened and said I think we've got you've got to do something about your weight Um, and I realized that actually I was eating a lot of junk food so any vegetarian that includes chocolate bars that includes crisps that includes your biscuits, um, etc. Um, and in terms of your protein, uh, so that's very interesting. So I'm just going to sort of kind of go back to my notes because I made notes on this to make sure that I conveyed what I wanted to convey to your audience around this. Um, so essentially, uh, we need, our body needs something called essential amino acids, which our body doesn't produce um, and animals don't produce. So the only source that we have is actually plants, right? So whole food, plant-based sources. Um, And we are able to get our needs met uh, by plants. Um, So the myths around you know, plant-based diet being protein deficient or somehow animal protein is better than plant protein have our myths that have been busted decades and decades and decades ago. So it surprises me that today 
we are still talking about the same topic around where do you get your protein from. I personally have never come across a vegetarian or a vegan or a whole plant-based person being diagnosed as protein deficient yes. unless they have really bad diets. Well, yeah. actually, I, I yeah, you're right, Deepa. I, I, I watched something, I think it was called What the Health or something. I can't remember. There was one of these documentaries I watched and this, this doctor said, you don't even get a protein. There's no such thing as a protein deficiency. Um, People have too much. And I think they say, isn't it like a, it's like, it's very much done on your body weight, but there's no such thing as a deficiency. If you can, obviously, it just keeps you fuller for longer and it keeps your blood sugar levels um, sort of steady so it's not to say don't have it but it's I think people do um disproportionately attach greater weight to it than than perhaps sometimes needs to well that's certainly always been my impression but yeah. so the myth is that animal protein is better than plant protein mm. and that myth was long ago decades ago um the so that that's that's one but also in the plant-based world, you you do have access to protein. So beans, pulses, lentils, your even your greens are are full of protein. Now, if you're if you're if you're you know you have a desire to be a bodybuilder, you might have to sort of increase your intake of protein of because course. obviously you're trying to build your, your muscle, and therefore then you can you know have a look at taking your sort of protein shakes. Or you can think about sort of increasing your consumptions of like beans, pulses, and lentils, etc. Um, but I think the majority um, of us, I, I certainly have no ambition to sort of become a bodybuilder, um, and I just make sure that I include beans in my diet. Mm. Um, so have uh, something that's bean-based or lentil um, every day. Um, so if it's in a soup form or even burritos. Um, and you can just become really mindful that you're actually incorporating that into your diet. Yeah, and we're gonna I'm gonna ask you um in a few minutes about your diet and sort of an average an average couple of days or a week in, in Deepa's cooking um schedule, what it would look like. But but before we do, just to I guess complete the point, obviously we know um you know, I'm not sure if I have any bodybuilders listening in, but if you are, obviously do have your protein and all the rest of it. That's not what I'm not I'm not not suggesting that. But you know, we look at the strongest animals you know elephants have a plant-based diet the cows that people kill for you know meat have a plant-based diet and they're you know these are some of the most strongest animals um but also actually looking at humans you know lewis hamilton you know the formula one player uh formula one driver has a, a plant-based diet Djokovic, the tennis player so you know serena williams all these people are at the top of their game you know, number one ranked tennis players um, but they have gone plant-based and feel better than ever. And it, it really can reverse the signs of ageing. It's obviously very, very good for the environment. It's good for the animals. And, and obviously I've talked about this in previous podcasts, so I, I'm not looking to labour the point anymore. But but it's just to say that it really does make a huge difference to people's um, lives. So the whole plant-based diet is the only diet that's been scientifically proven to actually reverse not stop its progression, um, reverse our number one killer, which is basically heart disease. Mm. There's no other diet that's even come close to it. So we've got an overwhelming amount of, um, you know, scientific studies, evidence showing that, right? 
Um, on top of that, they have been number of studies around the world where they've picked out something called blue zone areas, where they've basically identified people who are living the longest, but also living disease-free and disability-free. Um, and they've done investigations into why that is. And it comes down to essentially what you're consuming and your lifestyle. And in, in terms of like what they're consuming, it is predominantly heart-based. I also understand heart actually um, recall the name of the study, um, but in Uganda years ago, what they discovered is that the level of heart disease was almost non-existent uh, compared to other developing countries. Um, that they did sort of study and even autopsies to understand like whether there was even any signs of heart disease. They found like very few cases where people were showing signs. Um, and what they concluded by looking at the diet against it was it was again based on a whole plant-based diet. So looking at sweet potato, pulses, grains, uh, very little meat and very little dairy. Mm. Um, actually, interesting. Yeah. Um, so. It's the only diet, and I say again, today, the balance is that it's the whole plant-based diet that's going to increase your it's going to increase it's going to increase your mortality, but on top of that, increase your quality of life, which other diets just don't have the evidence to back that up. Yeah, no, I understood, and I guess um, you know, you are what you eat, so don't be false, cheap, easy or fake, just stick to, <laughs> just stick to, to the real goodness. And, you know, I guess the point is, as, as, as uh, Hippocrates says, that let food be thy medicine and thy, otherwise thy medicine shall be thy food. Um, so that's really, really interesting, Deepa. What I'm keen to also understand is, you know, a lot of people in the name of sort of health and, and well-being, you know, to, um, either calorie control or also they sort of have indicated that it can have benefits to um sort of warding off um sort of diseases um what what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting and and some of these diets or diet fads um what what are your thoughts is intermittent fasting a fad is there some merit in it or, or and talk to us about some of the different diets that are there that maybe you've tried but maybe why you've gone back to your plant-based whole foods diet okay so your whole plant boost your whole food plant <laughs> your whole plant-based food diet um does not involve any calorie restriction it's basically eat what you like um but there are principles around it that you're not consuming oil uh, you're not consuming sugar processed foods dairies out meats out um all animal products are basically out uh so when i actually tried this was which was about maybe four years ago now um I went on it for about six months and the weight just basically dropped off. And that was me not calorie counting. Uh, that was me doing very little exercise at that point of my life. And I think I dropped essentially two sizes, um, but I felt the best ever. Um, it's the only diet that's been proven to maintain your weight once you actually lose it. So there's no calorie restriction on it. It's eat as much as you like. And the reason why it's eat as much as you like, because actually it's the high fiber diet, which makes you feel uh, fuller for longer, longer. Yes. and releases your bones much, much um, slower, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, in terms of intermittent fasting, there is some evidence around it, but you get different types of intermittent fasting. You'll get like 
sort of uh, you know alternative days. So you eat one day, you don't eat the next day. You get like a window between you know uh, I think it's eight to sixteen hours. Correct. Yeah. Sure that you don't eat between those hours. Um, and I generally don't eat after seven o'clock um, every evening. So basically two hours before going to bed or two or three hours of going to bed, uh, there's no consumption of food. But there is evidence behind that. I can't claim um, that I'm that knowledgeable about it, but I, I think, do know that. Yeah, I think I, I, can, I can fill you in on that because I'm similar to you. Um, and again, this is just from my reading and, and I think it makes sense. They say that you know, having your meal um, a few hours before bed just means that your body starts to digest it. And then when you're asleep, it's not working overly hard, but it can very much be in that period of rest and rejuvenation. So I think that's the point. Try not to have a very heavy meal. And they say, don't they, breakfast is breaking your fast. Um, so have a, a decent sized breakfast that will sustain you through to lunch and then have a good lunch. And then they say typically to have a lighter evening meal. But, you know, it's very individual people have different lives so you know do be guided by what your body tells you and obviously some people need snacks some people have like shorter um more infrequent meals some people will have regular meals and and it's really just a, a point of listening to your body and, and you know this account is very much from your perspective and your learning and your um your observations so um you know uh do, do carry on with that but that was yeah that was my understanding as to why having um your meal a few hours before bed is is really good for you yeah, I think it's been shown to reduce the number of lifestyle diseases as well. So I think it's been shown to sort of um, improve cancer or chronic diseases, but I can't tell you exactly which chronic diseases, but there's seems to be quite a plethora of evidence coming mm. around. Do you know, actually, on this evidence points, because you, you have said this, and, and some of the sceptics or the cynics that might be listening, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a hard question, Dee, but how do we know what's right and what's wrong and, and how do we know to have faith in, in this because I think there is so much information for every study you read there'll be something completely contradictory and I think that that is a huge part of the problem that is so overwhelming to people people I think will follow what they believe to be right but it has to be I think stacking up for a lot of people and I think there's just so much contradiction how how would you suggest people approach it because there's just so much misinformation out there uh, and particularly on something such as health where we'll all take quite an active interest yeah um i think some of the factors that you've got to bear in mind is that the health health is a big industry um it's got it's it's basically a business oh undoubtedly um, but i would say personally when it comes to something as important as your health do not rely on belief systems anecdotal evidence meaning that you someone's anecdotally giving their experience one of experience it's got to be backed up by science and when i say that i'm saying like what does the balance of evidence show and we know to date that the balance of evidence shows a whole plant-based diet is the only intervention, the only diet that's actually been proven to maintain loss of weight. So not only do you lose it, you maintain it off, and the only diet to show to reverse diseases. Mm. And 
I don't think when it comes to science that there's a debate, that there's a belief. I think you get into really dangerous territory if you start playing with your health based on belief systems and anecdotal evidence. Um, perhaps others would, dis would, would disagree, but that's the approach that I take. Um, currently, there are lots of physicians um, uh, who look at, so Michael Greger is actually one of them. He's, he's one of the advocates of a whole plant-based diet based on scientific data. His whole career revolves around reviewing um, nutritional uh, studies um, and looking at what the science is saying, basically on a on a non um, non biased way. Um, and some of the sources that you can sort of refer to online is something called nutritionalfacts.org, um, which is basically a non profit site. It's got no commercials on it. Um, the proceedings go to charity to make sure that his work evolves and it's essentially based around science. Um, his infamous book, How Not to Die, is um, has sold millions um, and I believe he's got one coming out called Not um, How Not to Diet. Interesting, interesting. Thank you for sharing that, Deepa. Um, what I was wondering is, so so say people are hearing what you're saying and they're like, okay, I, I hear Deepa, um, but, you know, they're finding that concept of maybe going fully vegetarian or even fully whole plant-based, um, but they want to, to make some of the changes. What can you suggest uh, for these people that maybe want to make small changes and tweak a few things? And do you think that has the impact to make significant sort of impact to their life and and what what kind of suggestions have you got for those people that are keen to make that tweak yeah so this is i would say it would vary around your personality so it depends on how you make changes i know personally that when i'm looking to change something in my life it's got to be a drastic change and a few things have to change uh together in order for me to stick to it so if i'm trying to make a change in my diet I'm probably going to look at on stepping up my exercise. That's just how my psychology works. Um, other people find making incremental changes and then increasing those changes over months, over weeks, months and years uh, is quite easy for them. Uh, so the first thing that I would say is anyone who's looking to improve their health or uh, sort of look into what they're eating, go on a whole plant-based diet, etc., from a meat diet to vegetarian diet, is to A, um, get good sources of information um, and to read a little bit every day because the more that you're reminded of it and the more information you have, the more knowledge you have, the more motivated you're going to get to actually make that change. Um, I would probably take a log um, without any judgment um, on how you're eating is what, what are your eating habits like? So um, are you having breakfast? Are you missing breakfast? Um, are you emotional eating where that means you're eating a lot of junk quite unconsciously? Are you, are you incorporating your fruits and your veg? Um, I would also suggest making a daily or weekly food plan where you're planning out your meals. Um, for me, daily works better than weekly. Uh, so the night before, I'll be planning my meals. And in psychology, this is called front-loading which means that once you know what you're doing, the thinking of it 
has been removed from the action, Absolutely. which means that you're more likely to actually follow through. 100%. Um, and the other tip that I would get is just um, try to sort of get in touch with people or form a group of people who have the same goal or desire because doing it with friends or family uh, just tends to be way easier. Keeps um, you accountable. If you're... yeah. If you're trying to make a change and your friends are going to the kebab shop every evening, um, that's not gonna that's not gonna help you very much. So sometimes you need to look into making sure that you kind of surrounded by people that are sort of pursuing the same goal and have the same desire. Super. Yeah, no, really useful tips. Thank you. And actually I, I've got a question to ask you about what do people do when they go out for dinner and they haven't prepared meals, but we'll come to that maybe towards the end. Um just looking at sort of maybe covering these main bits or the next sort of main bits that I wanted to ask you in the next sort of fifteen minutes or so. What I was keen obviously you mentioned um meal prepping and sort of or at least sort of having a sense as to what you're gonna be cooking the next day. Um I said I'd ask you it. I'm going to ask you it now. What would a a week of cooking look like in Deeper's Kitchen? You know, tell us about what you eat, how do you make it, why do you make it, um, and just sort of run us through the um, macro um, nutritional reasons as to perhaps why you you make those combinations, please. Okay, cool. So the first thing that I would say is also get on YouTube and um, sort of try to learn about whole plant-based cooking. Um, it sounds like it's a lot because it kind of says you can't eat this and you can't eat that. But trust me, with the journey that I've been on, you'll discover a lot more dishes and you'll enjoy a lot more food. More importantly, the variety of foods you will eat will actually expand and not narrow. Uh, So some of the YouTube channels that your users perhaps might uh, be interested in is something called the Whole Plant-Based Cooking Show. Um, You get free recipes there. You've got High Carb Hannah. Uh, which is also predominantly whole plant-based, and you can get some of your recipes there. So, for instance, if you want to learn how to make hummus without oil but still enjoy hummus, that's a good place to go. <laughs> um, so in terms of what I'm eating in the day, so my my morning is quite standard. So I start off with porridge, um, but my breakfast is good, so I'm going to take, take some time explaining this because I'm really proud of my invention. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <laughs> it, it's porridge with cow cow powder with cinnamon um uh with hemp seeds and flax seeds because that's what you get your omegas from yeah and chia seeds so those go in there because actually um if you go onto the nutritionfact.org um site uh there's been a study done that actually taking a tablespoon of flax seeds every day is something that will protect your heart Yes, it's um, your omega threes, isn't it? Or omega is it omega threes and sixes? Yeah, it's about omega threes and sixes. Yeah, ratios. Yeah, that's that's a good source of your omegas. Um, in there goes blueberries, half a banana. Um, I then make my own nut milk. So the nut milk is comprised of um, almonds and hazelnuts with two dates uh, to basically sweeten it. Um, I then just warm up the water before I make the milk. There's no cooking. You just pour that over your bowl. The, the the oats will sort of soak in and you're ready to essentially have a pudding for breakfast. <laughs> um, and that keeps me full at least three and a half hours, I would say. Yeah, well, that's um, quite, um, quite what's well, got so much goodness in it. And it's quite protein heavy, actually, isn't it? You've got your oats, you've got your hemp, chaya, um, 
I think you said some some seeds in there as well, didn't you? Yeah, so hemp, so hemp seeds, black seeds, chia seeds, and then I've got my nuts going in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the afternoon, it could vary, so I tried to get some some sort of lentil bean pulses um, in, uh, so that can vary from uh, sort of rice and beans, uh, make sure you get your greens into your beans. Um, it can be a burrito. Um, I like making bean burgers. Um, I love soups because they're so quick and easy to make so it can be mung beans um it can be a red dal which kind of cooks within 20 minutes uh you can go and stick a sweet potato in there with some spinach and kale all of these quite filling and will actually last you some time um i try to get my sort of steamed veg in so it can be broccoli asparagus um so i don't want your users to feel that gosh that sounds like a lot actually most of the meals I make are done within half an hour or less. So yeah. I don't like to spend a lot of time in the kitchen because I work. So these are really quick meals that you can sort of do some prep beforehand. But as you go through your journey, you'll find out what you like, what works for you, and um, you'll come up with essentially your five to six meals that you're going to stick with. Absolutely, yeah. and that you just rotate. And so um, something I was quite curious to ask you as you were speaking was like condiments, like how do you season and flavour, make it quite flavoursome? Um, because I guess, you know, I love vegetables, but, but eating some of them on their own will, will get a bit boring after a while. So how do you keep it interesting and fresh and exciting? Okay. So lots of salad dressing. You can, you can learn a whole sort of range of salad dressing from a whole plant-based perspective. Um, one that I've learned recently is tahini, um, uh, mixed with water, lime, um, with some a tad bit of salt and pepper and chili. And that goes onto, you can put some sweetener in, so like um, date syrup, just to give it like that sweet cake. Um, and then that goes onto your sort of vegetables, just so that you have a nice dressing. Because I do think it's the dressing that lifts up the. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Interesting, and presumably the places that you've referred people to, they can find some of these dressings or pick up ones. Um, no, thanks, Deepa. And I guess you've mentioned a few bits of um, or alluded to some equipment. I was really keen for you to please share the equipment that you um, use and that you couldn't live without that in your kitchen. Obviously, we're not endorsing any particular brand or, you know, that's not what this is, but it would be really good to know, like, what are your must-haves? Okay. Um, so I'm not endorsing anything. So assuming you've got your essentials, which is your knives and your sort of cutlery, etc. the only two things that I wouldn't live without in my kitchen, apart from those things, is my Vitamix, which is just a form of a high-speed blender. It doesn't have to be a Vitamix. The Vitamix is quite expensive, but it's quite durable, something that will last you a long time. Um, and what that does, it, it it helps you make your own milk. If you want to make your milk, um, kind of blend soups, it can do your nut butter, etc. And then I've got my Ninja food processor, just to sort of like uh, grind up nuts um, or just really quickly chop my veg. So those are the two things that I wouldn't do without in my kitchen. Yeah, and that's... um because uh, there's so much... I think there's just so much variety in there because I was, I was looking at this the other day and you're like, I'm just so overwhelmed. Do I get a Nutribullet? Do I get like a vit Vitamix? Do I get like a Ninja? Do I get something totally different? Does it really matter in your opinion? Will, will you be able to replicate these sorts of ingredients that you've seen or that you refer um people to um like looking on youtube or, or looking at these sites will they be able to do it 
in like other other equipment or do you know so most whole, most whole plant most whole plant based cooking shows would definitely have a high speed blender okay um so i would recommend investing in one of those um if you are a family or if you don't have a family you're single um or it's just you and your partner i would recommend getting a smaller size jug if you have a family you, you can vary the size of jugs and basically i found that makes a difference in terms of waste and actually washing up as well yeah no useful tip useful tip and i guess in the last sort of few minutes deeper uh, we mentioned about uh, what do you do when you go out for dinner obviously right now we're all in lockdown so it's a bit of a nil point unless you're grabbing a takeaway but but for when you know we return to a new normal or for those people that are hearing everything you've said want to make these changes or are gonna incorporate some of what you've said or indeed all of what you've said into their their lives but they do like going out for dinner a bit like someone like me um who has quite a busy life um but wants to make better choices what would you say they should be looking out for obviously it's a very generic question because i appreciate it'll be kind of um cuisine independent to some extent but are there any sort of red flags that you would be like oh no definitely don't have that or some things that you'd be like oh great I'll go for this uh, that you could share with people what should we be looking out for um so I personally can't recommend fried foods so the first thing I would avoid if I go to a restaurant is any kind of fried food um and if you want to follow this lifestyle there are lots of whole plant-based restaurants popping up in London. There lots are. Lots of vegan restaurants in London. But there are a few restaurants that are specifically based on no oil cooking. So Vantra is one of them. Yes. And I believe that in Leicester. So when I'm working late, I don't want to go home and cook. And what I want to do is just eat out. That's a common place I would go. The food is fresh. It's made every day. And there's no oil and very low sugar put into their food. Um... In terms of if I go to a restaurant that is not whole plant based, um, um, if you have the personality, go and talk to the person who's cooking your food. So ask the waitress very kindly if you, you've got specific dietary requirements, please could you have a chat with the chef? In my experience, it has been the most pleasant experience because the chef's um, art is basically making the food that's their creativity sure. and I've always had a pleasant experience in them sort of whipping up something that suits that suits my dietary requirements Amazing. Um, yeah so you just establish a relationship with a chef if you're going to a restaurant regularly I'm sure that that would even work better the chef just gets to know you and <laughs> they're like Roshni again yep I know what to do <laughs> deeper I know what to do <laughs> And then in terms of that, Pret is good. Like, their, um, their vegan wraps are pretty good. Mm. Um, they're not completely all free, but I would say a healthy version. Um, yeah, and I would say just carry a bag of nuts, seeds, um, dates with you, dried fruits. Um, so if you fall hungry and you don't want to sort of go and binge on a muffin, um, you've got that in your bag to sort of sustain you you've until got, you use yeah. your proper meal <laughs> yes you've got your uh, your weapons of armory uh to, to sort of save you through the uh, temptations of a muffin in fact and that's that's been the interesting point hasn't it deep that you you know in your 30s you were someone that would reach for biscuits or chocolates or crisps as you were suggesting and you've completely transformed do you ever now get those emotional eating tendencies or like now what do you is your palette I guess is probably totally changed do you even reach for things like chocolate bars or biscuits you sort of now repel them 
Uh, so that's really interesting. So actually, once I started whole plant-based living, I became a lot aware of my emotional eating patterns. So I had a tendency to, I love savoury, so more sort of savoury than I'm sweet. So that means you're crisp. And I could go through packets, <sighs> not even, or not even remembering I've actually consumed them. Um, so what what's happened in that sort of, um, I guess, reaction is I'm able to spot when I'm stressed and when I'm about to reach something, reach for something that's unhealthy. And what I do, I have like my veg and my hummus. So I know that I get the crunch, the, 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 you know, the satisfaction I need. Um, I may go for nuts, even though they're high in fat, but it's better than a packet of crisp, if that makes sense. And you don't even but calorie what... count, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I said okay. you don't even calorie count, so it doesn't really matter. It needs a calorie count on a whole plant-based diet. It, it's, the only, it's the only intervention, even from weight loss, that has been proven to reduce weight and keep it off, essentially. So anyone can lose weight. That's what I'm saying. Anyone can go on a three-month program, get into an exercise program, get into a fitness program, and lose weight because all it is is basically you don't you're you know you're reducing the calories and you're burning calories. Mm. But the question you've got to ask is that is it something you can sustain for the rest of your life? And the only proven I will keep emphasizing this is the only scientific proven method to drop the weight and keep it off so basically maintain your weight yeah and the interesting thing that will happen when you go on a whole plant-based diet so when i first did this i went six months like no oil no processed foods and when i went when i went and i reached for a packet of crisp and put it in my mouth it was disgusting Mm. so i could literally taste the amount of oil that was in there that I was not able to sense before, if that makes sense. It does, right? It's it a does. literal something that I enjoyed and went to for years and years just became something that I was not going to enjoy. Fascinating. So why that happens, once I've got a few minutes rushing in, is because when you go in a whole plant-based diet for maybe the first couple of weeks, you're retraining your taste buds. You are. Right? You are. Yeah. So after three, so this has been shown in science as well. So when they clinically put people on a whole plant-based diet and then they said to them, you can go back and eat as you were, those people actually decided to stick to the whole plant-based diet yeah. because A, they've the benefits of it physically, mentally, emotionally, but also they had sort of changed their taste buds. So when they came back to eating salty foods, and oily foods, it no longer sat with them, right? So um, it, it's a journey, and great things happen, and I would encourage your users to try it for three, maybe a month even, and see what happens to them. And just in the last minute, just to check deeper, does, do people, you mentioned about that, but what about things like carbs? Because often carbs are quite, they, they're seen, obviously carbs are a vital um, group to be eating, but there's a lot of controversy around like wheat and bread. Should people, if they're lo- looking to look, lose weight, be cutting out on bread? Yeah, so um, you can get bread that's gluten-free. You can get bread that's oil-free. Uh, that's basically wheat and a little bit of salt, very minimal ingredients. When I first started off, I was buying that. That's hard to get, though. You can get them in sort of health shops. Um, but I think with wheat, you've got to sort of... Um, experiment yourself I would say 
but if we talk about carbs in general, so you're referring to stuff like ketogenic diet and the Atkins diet, which really recommend a low carb diet. That's not, that hasn't been proven scientifically. What's been proven is that from the studies that were done for the blue zones is that they did have high carb diets and carbs are essential for for the ketogenic diet, what that is, is high fat consumption, but it's also shown that you are losing calories by losing protein, uh, which is quite which is quite interesting. And again, I'll just come back to the point that whole plant based diet is the only diet that has been shown to reverse heart disease, reverse your lifestyle disease, to maintain your weight. And when it comes to something as important as your health, I would strongly recommend that you consider the balance of evidence and not anecdotal sort of diets and diet fads. Thank you, Deepa. Thanks so much, Deepa. That's really, really interesting. And you're absolutely right that we need to take the science in um, and not just follow things blindly. So I think it's a it's a nice time to, to sort of conclude and for me to say a big thank you for coming on Primrose Light. Um, even though we said that you use a nutri bullet, um, sorry, there is no magic bullet. And look, you've just got to eat healthily and live healthily to be healthy and look healthy and that's sort of the end of the story and that's a nice quote by Morgan Spurlock which I thought very much encapsulated what we were saying that you know there really is no magic um to it what you're saying in some senses is quite common sense but sometimes common sense isn't so common so we've just uh, hopefully distilled um today um some of the nuggets that Deepa uses and I've got to say uh people can't see you but I've always thought Deepa just looks so radiant and has the most glowy glossy hair and I think uh, there must be some truth to her whole pl- her, her whole plant no oil diet so thank you once again Deepa for coming on Primrose Light and everyone thank you so much for listening and we'll see you real soon take care bye